What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. I'm back from Florida, spent a few days down there, get my mom settled in for uh, the rest of winter and spring and possibly summer. And uh, I did one video for the tech support channel. Then I shot a video for you guys on the malicious compliance channel here. And lo and behold, I couldn't get the video edited. It just kept stuttering and stuttering and stuttering. It's an old laptop. I know it's going to have issues, but I'm just not ready to lay out the big bucks for the needed equipment to do this on the road yet. Uh, I'll get there eventually. But anyway, as you can see, trim the beard. The, uh, the people in the park down there, mostly the women, were bugging me because I haven't trimmed my beard in forever. And when it gets long, let's see. It was way below the screen uh, the last time I recorded. And uh, they don't like it because it gets scraggly looking. And I don't blame them. And it splits. But So I stopped by the old Dollar General one day when I was out running errands down there right outside of Ocala. And picked up a set of clippers. And uh, yeah. All right. So anyway, we're back at home. Normal computer. Semi-normal lighting. At least I can edit these. So so yeah, let's see if we can get back into a groove and... Uh, get back on a regular schedule all right not five minutes early but 10 minutes late and it cost them a fortune the five minute early post reminded me of a story that happened to a friend of mine let's call him bobby bobby was a cnc machinist a good one and the only one the company he worked for made an intricate product and his cnc part was crucial the rest of the product bolted onto it the finished product sold for tens of thousands of dollars it took three hours to make this piece. Bobby would make three a day. He'd make one in the morning, take his coffee break, then make another, and then take his lunch break. That ate up about 6.75 hours. He'd stay late to make the third part and make two hours OT. His new foreman turned out to be more than a bit of a jerk. He tried to get Bobby to do other tasks, and Bobby said no, as he needed to monitor the CNC machine during all stages of the cycle. Foreman beat to the plant manager who told him to back off and leave Bobby alone. One day there was a bad snowstorm, and Bobby was ten minutes late. The foreman was there to greet him at the time clock with a crap-eating grin on his face, holding a demerit slip, really. Bobby had clocked in a minute late the previous week, and the union rules said that if you were late twice within 14 days, you got 20 demerit points. Bobby and foreman got into a bit of an animated conversation, and the union steward came over and said that Bobby had no choice but to take the demerit hit. So Bobby went to work. His shift was 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., but he usually stayed until 6.30 to finish the last part. Not today. At 4.30, he shut the machine down and headed for the door. The next morning, Foreman comes over and says that the assembly team is short apart. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it right now. It'll be done in two hours. But they need three a day. Why didn't you make three of them yesterday? Because my shift is over at 4.30, and I went home. What? You stay every night until the third part is finished. Bobby pulled the demerit slip out of his shirt pocket, looked Foreman in the eye, and said, Not anymore. Bobby had done the math. Every week, instead of getting 15 parts, they were getting 10 or 11. Foreman tried to sweep it under the rug, but within a few days, chaos ensued. The assemblers had no core part, and their team went to the plant manager to let them know the production was falling. The assemblers liked it. They got to hang around yakking while they waited for the next CNC part to arrive. Eventually, there was a meeting with plant manager, foreman, union steward, and Bobby. Foreman tried to throw Bobby under the bus, saying that he refused overtime. Union Steward pointed out that, as per the contract, mandatory overtime was only in case of emergencies, and this wasn't an emergency. 
Bobby had every right to decline the OT. Foreman lost his temper, started yelling at Bobby and the union steward, and was asked to leave the meeting. Plant manager knew he was screwed and looked at Bobby and asked, what's it going to take to get you to work the overtime? Bobby smiled and replied, as long as Foreman's my supervisor, I won't be working a minute of OT. And that was the last anyone saw of Foreman. By sticking to the contract, Bobby cost the company a handful of parts worth many thousands of dollars and put the company into a position where their lowered production would cost them even more, in perpetuity. Bobby worked a couple of Saturdays to catch up and made double time for those shifts. They hired a new foreman who was explicitly instructed, do not, under any circumstances, F with Bobby. Well, good for Bobby. Yeah, I just don't understand. Yes, he was working overtime and getting paid for it. I get it. But at the same time, he was sort of doing y'all a favor, company-wise, because he didn't have to do the overtime. He obviously didn't really need the overtime, the way it looks. And you're going to mess around with demerit slips? One was a minute late, the other one was 10 minutes, but that was because of weather. So, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles. If you're just going to be one of those supervisors who's got a hard-on for one particular guy for no apparent reason, then, yeah, you get what you get at that point. When things are so well-balanced and working well and smoothly, you really shouldn't rock the boat. Don't F with Bobby. Hmm? No one ever makes it hot enough? Okay, then you asked for it. I used to be a chef in a Mexican restaurant in a small town in Australia nearly 40 years ago. We were modestly popular and I loved working there. One night a young man came in to dine with a young lady. It was very obviously a first date. They ordered nachos to share with a side of jalapenos for their entree and he ordered a steak Veracruz, hot, for his main and the young lady ordered a chicken burrito, mild, for hers. I, as I usually did throughout the night, would walk around the tables and ask if people were enjoying the food. After the nachos, I checked in on them, and the young man informed me that the chili that accompanied the nachos were not hot at all, and that he loved hot food. I was informed that he had traveled extensively and had eaten some of the hottest food in the world, and that no one had ever made a dish too hot for him. He reiterated that he wanted his steak main extra hot. To be honest, I found him to be pompous and rather obnoxious in the way he was speaking down to me, and found myself taking a dislike to him. I will add at this point that the young lady was looking a little uncomfortable, and I got the impression her date was not going as she had expected. I headed to the kitchen. I made her a lovely chicken burrito while putting together his steak. He wanted it hot? He was going to get it. Our steak Veracruz was usually a steak cooked and topped with our house tomato sauce base with some, capsic with some capsicums, bell peppers for you Americans, and onions with a touch of chili. On this occasion, I set to work. Keep in mind this was Australia back in the 80s, and we did not get a lot of different chilies back then, and a jalapeno was considered hot by most Aussie palates. Hey, we were an educated bunch. I had a few bird's-eye chilies in the kitchen that were mainly there for staff and the resident Mexican guitarist meal, so I started with those. I finally diced about 10 of those with their seeds. I then started sweating off my onions and capsicums. but I can't say that word. I then threw in the chilies, and then I added about a tablespoon of chili powder and about a tablespoon of cayenne. I soon felt the fumes hit my nose and the back of my throat, and my eyes started watering. I ran to the door of the kitchen to get a breath of breathable air as the air in my tiny kitchen was rapidly becoming unbreathable. I ran back to my pan and put a ladle of the house tomato sauce in. I then let that simmer for a few minutes. I then added some chopped up jalapenos from a jar in my fridge and thought, why not? And in went a bit more chili powder. I then put the flash fried steak in to finish it off in the sauce. I served it all up on a plate with some rice, served up the chicken burrito, and hit the bell for the waitress to serve it to the table. 
Waitress came back and told me that as she placed it in front of me, he said, This had better be hot. She assured him the chef had done as he was requested. I went to the door of the kitchen, joined by my waitress, to watch the show unfold. And unfold it did. I watched with glee as he sliced the steak, took a piece on his fork, and with a smug look on his face, he put it in his mouth. He took a chew and then realized his mistake. I saw it. That moment when his face changed, but he was trying so hard not to show it. He couldn't. He was on a date and he had bragged so hard and now he had to go through with it. He ate the steak. I could see every ounce of pain on his face. He struggled. He struggled hard. His date watched him with a slight smile on her lips and I got the impression that she was thoroughly enjoying his pain. He went through several jugs of water. He sweated. He barely spoke. He looked damned uncomfortable. At the end of the meal, I came out of the kitchen and asked him if he had enjoyed his meal. His words? Could have been hotter. He never came back. His date? She became a regular and told us he was an insufferable fool, and she never saw him again. I had no regrets other than I wish Carolina Reapers had been around back then. I know I say this a lot, but really, be careful what you ask for. Or demand. Smugly. I love it when people say, I like it hot. I can eat the hottest that you can't make it too hot for me. Well, first of all, that's BS. Everybody has their limits somewhere, unless they're totally brain dead. Two, why would you want it so hot that you can't even taste the meat? That's what gets me. You know, I like some spice. I like a little heat. I like it when my forehead starts to sweat while I'm eating the, the meal. That's enjoyable. Anything beyond that uh, is uncomfortable and just not pleasant. I've been to some places where they have specials on wings and... It's amazing that they really want to try to make them so hot that you just can't, you can't, you can barely tell texturally that it's chicken, let alone the taste. You know, spices and things are supposed to enhance the taste, not drown them out, unless the meat's rotten and, you know, you'd be living in the 16th century at that point trying to cover up taste of rotting meat. People are just so full of themselves wanting to show off. That's just like people who drink nothing but a small batch IPA that tastes like crap. I mean, I like some of them, but, you know, after a while, making it too hoppy is just like making food too spicy, you know? There's no character to the beer at that point. It's just, you know, you might as well just put a plate of hops flowers in front of me and I'll just chew on them while I drink a real beer. Sure, sign me up. Years ago, when XM Radio was first starting out, I bought a satellite radio, installed it in my car, and subscribed to their service which I enjoyed as I traveled long distances often and hated stations cutting in and out. Sometime later, I sold the car and the radio with it, and I called and canceled my services without any issues. About a month later, my fun began. I started getting a call about every two or three weeks wanting to know if I'd like to resubscribe to their services. They could offer me a six-month discount, etc. I explained to them I sold the car and the radio with it, so I no longer had a radio. I was polite the first few times, rude a few times after, didn't even answer the phone sometimes. Threatened them with consumer affairs. Nothing seemed to work. But every answer was the same from me. I don't have a satellite radio anymore. And they all said they'd remove me from their call list. This went on for about 8 months until I changed my tactic. I was working on a project and the call came in so I answered. The usual sales pitch started up with the guy wanting to know if I'd like to resubscribe for their services and could offer a welcome back discount. So I stopped what I was doing and said, okay sure sign me up. He got happy and started going through all the options and upsells. And everything he had tried to sell me, I said, yes, that sounds great. I chose the most expensive package and the GPS traffic updates for the navigation systems, etc. Whatever they had, I took it. He gathered all my details, address, email, all which they already had anyway. The whole process took about 20 minutes. 
Then came the part I was waiting for. XM. Okay, we're all set. I just need the radio ID from your radio. Me. I don't have one. XM. Silence. Uh, what? Me. I don't have a satellite radio. XM. So, why do you want to sign up for our services? Me. I don't. XM. But you said you did. Me. I know, but for the last eight months I've been telling you that I don't have a radio and to stop calling. But you keep calling. So I thought maybe you guys knew something I didn't. XM. Unless you have a radio, you can't sign up for our services. Me. Well, then maybe you guys should stop calling me? Never heard from them again. I understand. Salespeople, <laughs> they gotta make their commissions. Otherwise, they don't pay their rent. I get it. But common sense for the company and the salespeople is, this guy's already told you that he doesn't have the radio. Take him off your call list. Now, there's also salespeople for these companies who are outsourced who just have, uh, well, back in the old days, it used to be you'd get a card and it would have a base number. And then the last two, you would go from 00 to 01 to 02, right on down the line randomly. And now, I don't know if computer-aided stuff has changed any of that. If it does the same thing and only puts it through to a live person if somebody picks up. I don't know. But at some point, there's got to be a way to take that out of the system so that you're not bugging the potential customer and then the customer doesn't end up playing you in the end. So, eh. Boss griped at the idea of me slipping out of work five minutes early to get an appointment on time. Said I'd need to use sick or personal day. So I did. For background, my old boss used to be more flexible. As long as we got our tasks done. If something came up and we needed to slip out a few minutes early, they never had much of an issue. I rarely took advantage of it, but if I had to, I always made sure to make up those few minutes elsewhere. This new boss comes along and is such a micromanager and control freak. Now we're not allowed to be even a minute late or leave a minute early. We need to actually put in for PTO, either for a half or a full day, just to be able to slip out a few minutes early. I had an appointment one day and offered to work through my break time just to leave a few minutes early. Boss balked at the idea. I arranged it ahead of time for a whole personal day off. I booked myself a massage and went out to lunch before my appointment. Boss wasn't happy with me for taking a personal day, especially since we're currently short-staffed, but I did follow their policy. Yeah, I've worked for a few places like that before where I was flexible enough that if I needed a little bit of time to slide out early, again, I'd make it up somewhere, either come back from lunch early, not take the morning coffee break, uh, work a few minutes extra the day after, whatever. But when I get to that point where they're totally micromanaging and everything, and they say, you have to put in for a day off. Well, okay, I can do that. And then they get pissed because you're taking the allotted day off that you earned and is in your time. And by law, you're allowed to take. Well, so be it. I find that a lot of corporate policies, it's, it's pretty tough for local supervisors to actually implement things and work with them and kind of work around some of the corporate policies. But at the same time, if you really know your crew, you should be able to make something happen for them. I mean, come on. Even when I worked for the Board of Ed, which is a state agency, they could do something. It wasn't always perfect, but, you know, we all got what we needed and wanted in the end, and that was a good thing. Snowy Boots I was in high school, out in the snow by my parents' house taking photographs. They lived by a river that had accumulated ice crystals along the shoreline. I was wearing rain boots with fuzzy socks inside and took a wrong step, falling into the half-frozen river. The ten-minute or so walk back to the house was marked by the sounds of my cold, wet, sloshing, and some amounts of nerve pain. I believe that's the coldest I've ever been. When I set foot in the house, I was immediately greeted by my mother. 
take the clothes out of the dryer and put them on my bed. I began, hold on just a minute, I got all wet. Mom says, I shouldn't have to ask you twice. Get the laundry, do it now. (laughs) Okay. I pressed the warm, clean laundry against my river-stained, icy body without even removing my full-to-the-brim boots and puddled my way through the house to my mother, who was lying on her bed and dropped the sopping laundry next to her. She looked like she knew she had been unreasonable as I squeaked my way back through the house to the front room to remove my boots and wet socks. Let your kids explain themselves sometimes. Okay, I get it now. There was a comment down below this post where a person said, uh, really shows, I'm paraphrasing, really shows what kind of a mom she is when she saw that you were icy and wet and muddy and didn't even ask how you were. Um, evidently, she didn't seem she was yelling from her another room, from her bedroom. And so this was a yelling back and forth through the house conversation. Mom still didn't let OP finish what they were saying. Um, so who knows? I mean, it could be something where mom's totally unreasonable and doesn't listen to anything. Or it could be sort of like me in my house where I'll do that once in a while because certain kids have a track record of giving me grief and telling me, hold on, and then something never happens. And then the next time I ask them and they start telling me something, I will cut them off and say, listen, told you to get it done, get it done. I do try to listen most of the time, but you know, when they have a track record of doing that kind of stuff, eh, they kind of ruin that. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.